welcome to the Climb Your Mountain podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Maurer, a life coach, certified ultra running coach, and high altitude mountaineer. Each week, I show you how to train, eat, think, and live like an athlete so you can reach that summit, hike that hike, or finish that trail race. My passion is to empower people of all ages and sizes to get outside and live lives of adventure. Remember, endurance training will never be easier than today. So let's dive into the show. Hey friends, how you doing? I am, I am here. (laughs) If you've been following me on Instagram, you know that I've had COVID symptoms since maybe the beginning of October. And it's been kind of a long road for me to get back. And I gotta say, this this week has been really good. I'm feeling so much better, except I kind of have this brain fog thing going on that comes and goes. And it was doing really good. And today, I'm a little bit foggy, I can tell. So hopefully you won't hear this as I'm going through the podcast, but you may, but we're gonna do it. It's podcasting podcasting will happen. So let's get into our topic for today. And our topic is actually from a question I received on Instagram. So I'll go ahead and read the question. It says, I'm 61 and have noticed a real change in what I'm able to do compared to what I used to be able to do. People are still telling me it's just a matter of more training. I know you've come close to this in the past, but I'd love to know if I just need more training to do what I did so easily in the past. So let's do it today. Let's talk about training in your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, your 70s, and beyond. You might be interested to know most people who approached me for sports coaching when I was a trainer and now life coaching when I coach athletes actually are in this age range, which makes sense in a way because I'm 47. So they probably feel some affinity there. So I have a lot to say on this topic to those of you who are 40 and up. Also though, I really want you to listen up even if you're younger. Many of these tips are still gonna apply. And this is especially true if you're prone to overtraining or overuse injuries. And I'm speaking from experience here. I am a chronic over trainer. And one of the things that really helped me stop doing that, which has really been amazing for my athletic career, it was hanging out with older athletes and just learning from them how they prioritize rest, rejuvenation, how they really train in a way that makes sense for their bodies. So younger folks definitely listen up. So a question that does come up is what can you do after 40? Um, I know a lot of people in our society and especially in certain parts of the country, I happen to be from the Midwest, kind of think it's over after 40. You, it's the time when you just sit on the couch and I don't, I don't actually know what they think because I don't think like that. But there is kind of this thought that 40 is an advanced age for endurance sports. So just for fun, I did a little bit of research and I pulled out some athletic feats in endurance sports that happened after age 40. So let's start with mountaineering. First woman to climb K2. Her name was Vanda Rutkiewicz. She was 43 when she did it. Lots and lots of high altitude climbing happening in the 40s, by the way. Oldest person to climb Mount Everest was 80. He was from Japan. The oldest woman to climb K2 is 62. And this is so cool. She started alpine climbing at age 50. By the way, the oldest man to climb K2, oldest person overall, is 65. Oldest person to climb Kilimanjaro, 
89 years old. It was a woman. Average age of an ultra runner. This blew my mind when I found out. I'm like, 22? It's actually 42. So if you're in your 40s and you're making the switch from road running to ultra running, you're going to find yourself right back in the most competitive (laughs) age group, (laughs) for better or worse. Oldest person to finish the Badwater 135. And just to put this in perspective, Badwater is a 135-mile race that goes across Death Valley and then up to the base camp of Mount Whitney. Death Valley, hottest place in the world. It's like 120 degrees when they're running during the day. Oldest person to finish it? 77. And I believe he actually ran it several times after age 70. That is Bob Becker. And I'll share my own experience a little. I actually started doing high altitude mountaineering in my 40s. So I've been on trips with people all over the world. I've been to Turkey, Mexico, Bolivia, Ecuador. On most of these trips, I was in my early 40s and I was by quite a margin the youngest person in the group. And I was usually not the strongest person in the group. So those of you who are in your 50s and your 60s thinking about climbing some big mountains, wonder if you're too old, think again. So why does climbing, running, endurance sports feel harder as we get older? Let's talk a little bit about some of the physiological reasons that would be true. First, the good news, the body really responds to exercise in the same way as we get older. Really, the way we train, as far as the things that we do, doesn't have to change a whole lot. What is the big difference is is in our ability to heal. So let's just do a quick physiology lesson. How do we get stronger in training? Most people think it's by going out and exercising. And fundamentally, what's true is that the exercise actually makes us weaker. And what makes us stronger is the rest afterwards. And if you think about a broken bone, it, it, it's, it's weak when it's broken, but then after it heals, at least for a little while, there's actually a callus around that break. The body actually overcompensates and puts more calcium there so that the broken place actually becomes stronger than the original bone. It's kind of like that when we exercise. We actually do a thing as we rest called super compensating, where we're healing, we're coming back up to base and we actually get a little bit stronger than we were before that workout. And then when we're super compensated, that's the best time to go into another workout. And depending on how hard you worked out, super compensation can take hours. It can take a couple of days. We'll talk more about that in just a minute as that relates to age. But for now, know that it takes you longer to super compensate than it used to because the healing process is slower. We also, as we get older, become more injury prone. And And again, the healing and the time it takes to come back from those injuries takes longer. So really good reason just to train smart, not go too hard, build up reasonably. We'll talk about some tips for doing that in just a moment. So why do we heal slower? One reason is that we're secreting less hormone, particularly testosterone and human growth hormone that are involved in building up your muscles after a hard workout, healing all those little micro tears. And generally, these hormones are actually secreted while we sleep. So if you think about your sleep quality as you've gotten older, you've probably noticed it gets a little bit harder to get a good night's sleep. And what makes it even harder is we actually get a nice burst of these hormones secreted in our third sleep cycle of the night, our last sleep cycle. So that's usually how
happening early in the morning, and we often interrupt it by getting up to an alarm. So we're not getting all the hormones we need to heal ourselves and super compensate and be ready for the next workout. One final thing that's worth mentioning is our body composition tends to shift to a higher fat percentage as we get older. We become more efficient at storing fat, unfortunately. Some of you, I'm sure, have noticed this tendency. I certainly have. And not that that's necessarily a bad thing or is going to stop you from reaching your endurance sports goals, your dreams. It does create some inefficiencies. And I really want to do a whole episode where we talk about the decision to drop body fat or not. It's something that I don't feel is very necessary, or maybe you just want to drop some. I think it's such an individual decision. Just know that that's, that's, that's a factor that does play into performance as we get older. I thought for fun, I would share a few things I noticed at 47. I know some of you are like, you're such a baby. You don't even know. <laughs> but some body changes that have come up for me. First, I noticed that I need better quality training to get the same results. I can't just go hiking every weekend and expect to get stronger. So education has been extremely helpful in just knowing what to expect and how to do it better, how to get more out of each hour of working out. That's what we're here for on the podcast, right? Another thing, like I mentioned, body composition. I used to shed extra pounds naturally in training if I had like a bad week where I went on vacation and ate or was just really stressed out and drank too much wine and gained a few pounds. Really, it would take care of itself in training. I would just not need to do anything different. And in a few weeks, my weight would be back to normal. Really, since about like my early 40s, I've noticed that that is not happening. And what actually is happening is that those little gains tend to accumulate and never go away. So this year for the first time, actually while I've had COVID, I've been setting aside some time to just really work intentionally on body composition. It's definitely not going to be something I'm doing year round, but I'm doing like a little four week program. If you want to follow me on Instagram, you can probably see in my stories some of the things that I'm doing, what I'm eating, how I'm exercising differently, good things that I notice at 47. My mind is just so much more expansive. There's so much more possibility. There's so much more belief than there was, say, in my 20s. I would look at things in my 20s and be like, oh, there's no way I can do that. I very rarely feel that way at 47. And I also have to say mental toughness is plus 1,000 of what it was in my 20s. I think back to my very first marathon when I was, I think, 28, and it was hot, and I was having gut issues, and I was just like, fuck this shit. I want to quit. I really remember being in so much distress in my mind, and I, I, I don't think I would love that in my at 47, but I think I would be much more equipped to handle it mentally now. So... Let's dive into some training tips for folks over 40, over 50, over 60. The suggestions I'm going to make don't really change that much as you get older as far as what to do. You may need to do them on a different intensity, a different time frame. So what does that look like? First tip I have for you, this is a safety tip. And it is, if you have been sedentary, and this is true at any age, but especially over 40, definitely check in with your doctor before starting an exercise 
exercise program. And I know that's a cliche, but exercise-induced heart attacks are most common in people who start exercising without realizing that they have undiagnosed coronary disease, which does become more common with age. So just for the sake of safety, I would definitely just check in with your medical professional. If you do, worst case scenario, discover there's something going on that would affect your exercise, almost always there is still a way to exercise safely. You just might need to make a couple of changes. You and your doctor can talk about what that would look like. So once you've done that, couple of fitness tips. A lot of what I'm going to share comes from a really awesome book that I recommend a lot. It's called Fast After 50. Author is Joe Friel. This was recommended to me when I was about 40 by a woman in her 60s who's an amazing cross-country skier and we were I was telling her about my training and she was basically like telling me all the things I was doing wrong and she's like I know it seems weird at 40, but you have to read this book. And this book is amazing. I recommend it really at any age. One of the things that Joe Friel really talks a lot about is that most of us arrange our training plan in seven-day weeks. It makes sense, right? There's weekends when we do our longer run and certain time of training volume. But as we get older, seven days might not be the optimal time frame to get all this stuff done. And even if seven days is working early in the training season, it might not work as well when you're approaching your peak and you just have tons of volume and you're working really hard. So one thing Joe Friel suggests doing that I think is just so magic and makes so much sense is take your training plan that's arranged into seven days. You can take a plan that's worked for you in the past, do do each week of workouts in eight days. And there's nothing magic about eight days. If you need more time, take nine days, take 10 days. And what this is doing is just allowing you to heal on your own rhythm. You're not trying to force your body to go by a schedule that maybe works for like a 30-year-old, but might not work for you. Another tip that I give almost all of my clients, but especially I think this really starts kicking in after 40, is training by intuition rather than going on the internet, trying to find some guru that's going to tell you exactly how they do it and how you should do it too. I want you to really listen to your own inner authority on when it's time to exercise and when it's time to rest. And I just saw today a post by ultra runner Lucy Bartholomew that I think encapsulates this so well. So I'll read you a little bit of her Instagram post. She's actually training for, I think, her first big triathlon. And she is, she recently stopped working with a coach and is coaching herself. And she's talking in this post about how good it feels, how she's so energized, rejuvenated. She actually looks forward to to training in a way she hasn't for a while. And she says about her training, I have a rough idea of what I want to achieve in a week, but I also wake up and see how my body feels, what the weather looks like, where my head is at, and what I feel like doing. I'm stoked that the want of my training and the need are very similarly aligned. So this is really my hope for you. At any age, I want training to feel flexible and I want it to be according to your schedule and not dictated by a training plan that, let's be honest, could be written by someone that is so different from you. What if that plan is just completely wrong for you and the plan that's inside of you is the right plan? So a couple of tips for training by feel, training by intuition. One thing I do and encourage my clients to do is to grow 
grade their workouts on an A to F scale. I know they don't probably even use that in school anymore. The F feels a little putative, but basically A is you did the workout and it was way under threshold. You could have done further. It felt amazing the whole time. B, just right. You, You were ready to stop, but felt good, felt strong the whole time. C, maybe struggled a little bit. D, really struggled, kind of on the struggle bus, thought about not finishing. F, just stopped the workout, not able to complete it. And kind of my rule of thumb is most of your workouts should be Bs and Cs. If you're having more than a couple Ds in a row, it's time to maybe think about, first of all, is there some obvious reason that might be happening? Sometimes that's the case. You've been really busy at work or really mentally stressed out about something. It's it's not necessarily a physical thing. But if you really think it just is that you need some rest, that you're tired, that you're overworked, you're not super compensating, it's time to take a rest break. And that can look a couple of ways. If you cycle your training, which I, I hope you do, there's a there's a post on training cycles I'll put a link to in the show notes. So what a training cycle looks like is it's usually three weeks of build and then one week where you're not completely off, but it's easier. It's maybe 50% of your peak volume so far. So even if you're not due for an easy week, totally fine to take one early. There's nothing magic about doing three build, one easy. Another thing you can do is just anytime you feel like you need it, anytime you notice you're dragging for more than a few workouts in a row, just take four to six really easy days right in a row there, and then you can come back to your regular training. So those are some of my best fitness tips. I also want to talk about resting tips. Most of us aren't getting enough rest. And often this starts as a younger athlete and we establish bad habits and it just gets worse as we get older. So if you are listening to me say that and recognizing yourself, a couple of questions to journal on. First of all, what's your plan for rest? Do you have one? (laughs) If you don't, (laughs) how might you create one? What beliefs get in the way of allowing yourself to rest? What would you need to believe in order to rest more? And a thought that really, a thought or belief that really helps me is rest really is when I get stronger. Another one, and this is absolutely true, is that for your goal chip, for your goal race, it is better to be undertrained than overtrained. And this gets even more true as we get a little bit older. And just a couple tips for getting better quality rest. First, and this might sound obvious, rest should feel physically restful. Don't fall into the active rest trap. I just did air quotes with my hands. <laughs> there is some some thinking out there and some coaches still teach that, you know, walk, like rest should look like walking or even a light run that there's should never be a day when you completely rest. And I, I just call bullshit on that. <laughs> if active rest is helping you, it's fine to do that. But if you just need to sit still and really let that day be a rest day, maybe that's the day you take the elevator instead of walking up the stairs, whatever it is that you do to squeeze in a little bit of extra exercise. I want you to not do that during your rest time. Another rule for my athletes is rest should feel mentally restful. And I think we really underestimate a lot of us, the effects that stress and that emotion have on our 
physiology, on our recovery. One of my coaches talks about it like anytime you have a strong emotion, it's like you're almost like having a glass of wine. And once that wine is in your system, your body has to do work to like physiologically process all the chemicals, all the stuff like out of your system. And I think a lot of us don't appreciate that emotions create chemicals in our system. Whenever we feel fear, whenever we feel stress, whenever we feel anxiety, the hormones in our body are releasing stress chemicals and all that needs to get cleaned out, kind of like a glass of wine. It's work for your body. So managing your stress, making your mental health a priority, so important when you're in endurance training. I'm sure we'll have many episodes where we can talk about that in the future. Another tip I think is really helpful is to go to bed early and wake up naturally. Remember when I said that we need human growth hormone, testosterone, there's a couple others to heal our muscles so we can super compensate. And they actually get released really early in the morning in our last sleep cycle. So it's important to sleep that cycle all the way through, wake up naturally. If you just do have the kind of life where you're waking up early in the morning to an alarm, probably the best solution for that is just to go to bed earlier. I remember being in my 20s and talking to an athlete who was probably like in his 40s. And he's like, yeah, I go to bed at eight every night. And I remember thinking, oh my God, that will never be me. I go to bed usually at like at 8.39 every night now. <laughs> so, and actually I super love it. So if you're in your 20s hearing me say that and your brain just exploded, stuff to look forward to. And finally, I want to speak a little bit to the whole use it or lose it principle in endurance sports. There is some truth that athletes who stay active tend to have less age-related decline, or at least the rate of it slows down. And I just want you to understand, use it or lose it does not mean you go hard 365 days a year. No breaks, no downtime, no off-season. It's really important for your mind, for your body, that you do have sometimes where you're not at peak fitness. If you like the example I like to use is if we tried to always be in the kind of shape where we could climb, for example, Mount Rainier tomorrow, (laughs) we would just like grind ourselves up and die. It would just be a miserable existence physically, mentally, in all possible ways. Like no one wants to do that. So a better plan is to really think about your season. Think about the times when you're going to need to be really fit because you've got a race or a big trip coming up or maybe a couple that are kind of close together that you want to train for together. And also think about what is my off season? When do I get to rest? When do I get to think about areas of life other than mountains and races and whatever your thing is? And just following the use it or lose it principle, it's true. You do want to have a baseline at all times. So maybe, for example, if you're an ultra runner, instead of running 60 miles a week, during your off season, you run 15 to 20. That is totally okay. You don't, it doesn't even have to be big or epic in any way. It just needs for you to stay active, just keep moving, keep your VO2 max at a certain baseline, keep your lactate threshold at a certain baseline, and really that is all you need. Before we finish up, I did want to say just a couple words about body composition. And it's just a couple words because I am going to cover this in a future episode. I think it's a topic that just deserves a lot of careful consideration that I don't want to squeeze in right at the end here. But what I do want you to know about body composition is that having some extra body fat shouldn't stop you from pursuing your dreams. And to give you just a couple of examples, I was probably about 30% body fat when I climbed Rainier. 
I was probably more when I ran my longest ultra, which was this year, which was 44 miles. And honestly, it did not make a big difference. It did not stop me from doing the thing. It will not stop you from doing the thing. Are there some good reasons to reduce body fat? Maybe. And we can talk about that in a future episode and how you can go about it in a way that's healthy, in a way that's safe for you as an athlete, in a way that won't get in the way of your performance. But so long as you are otherwise healthy, otherwise clear to exercise by your doctor, I would not let extra body fat stop you from getting started, stop you from going after that dream. What if you just started right now and you get to figure out the body fat and all the other stuff as you go along? So friends, there you have it. If you are an over 40 athlete in training for a big goal, I would love to follow your story. I think y'all have the best stories. So let's make friends on Instagram. The link is in the show notes to follow me. If you follow me and I don't follow you back, or if you have a private account, you may need to tap me a little and be like, hey, Sarah, I'm such a fan of the show. Let's be friends. And I will definitely follow you back. I definitely want to hear your story, want to see you go in for your dreams. It's so much fun. And I think the reason it makes me so excited is I really believe that the world needs more examples of people chasing their athletic dreams at all ages. Some of those examples I read out at the beginning, like what if that could be you? I mean, those numbers are going up all the time. Like for a long time, the oldest person to climb Everest was 60 and now it's 80 and I bet someday it's going to be 90. It's just, I, I don't know. We don't even know what the upper limit is. It's pretty exciting. So Let's all be part of that. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much. <laughs> this I feel like this episode was a bit of a shit show to record. I'm not sure if you can notice in the edit, but I keep losing my voice. And also my COVID brain fog is just really revving today. So, so glad we got through it together. And I will see you here next week. Take care.